Praise God. We're going to look at Acts chapter 10. Father, we thank you and praise you as we just continue in your word. We thank you for that testimony, Lord. We thank you and praise you for placing upon their heart to, to go to Mexico, to reach people who knew Jesus. There's people in our neighborhood who need Jesus. But you also put it on people's hearts to leave the comfort of their home to go and create comfort somewhere else and to comfort those who don't understand what true comfort is. Comfort is not the lazy boy, although that is comfortable. Comfort is knowing that you love us and you've forgiven us and you sent your son to die for us. And to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. That is true eternal comfort. So we just pray for this family, Lord, as they go, that you will use them mightily. We pray that you'd encourage them and strengthen them and build their church, Lord, however you see fit, Lord. It's not about the numbers. It's about love. It's about your Holy Spirit. It's about your word. I know you're going to use them as they have that focus. And Lord, as we continue in the service here, help us to have our focus on this morning on what you have for us. It's so applicable so practical, and so use it for your glory. Father, I pray for the gift of teaching. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, we're in Acts chapter 10 this morning, and we're just going to get right into it. If you've been with us through Acts, if not, you can get the CDs on the wall over there. They're free. You can see that there's a lot of information missing about the early church. Just like the life of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is giving us the highlights of those early years of the church. And and why do I mention that? Because historians tell us that chapter 10 took place roughly 8 to 10 years after Pentecost. You want to keep that in mind, because when we just read it, it's we can read it in in a half hour, and we think, oh, it just happened, boom, 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 boom. No, it didn't happen that way. Eight to ten years now, as we look at this, and this is, this plays into the whole story. So for many years, the church was strictly made up of Jewish believers, which means that the church was not reaching out to the Gentiles yet. The church was still dealing with prejudices that the Holy Spirit was working out of their lives. And that's very important, as I just mentioned, eight to ten years. You see, in 1 Corinthians 15.3, we read this, For I delivered to you, first of all, Paul wrote, that which I also received. That is a very, very important verse. Very important verse. And this can apply even to your career, or if you're going to college, to your to your education, whatever it might be. You can only go as far as you allow someone else to take you. If you have reservations, if you put up walls, you're not going to go very far in the world as well as in your Christian faith. Very, very important. We can see clearly that the early church was unwilling to take the gospel to the Gentiles. But remember that Jesus gave the church this commission in Acts 1.8. We studied it. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to, to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Let's look at Acts 13. Let's look at Acts 13, 46 through 50. You see, unfortunately, the Jewish mindset in that day, and I'd say for some strict Jews, it is still that mindset today, that the Gentiles were considered fuel for 
hell. You see, the church definitely needed some reprogramming. So in Acts 13, we're moving ahead several years now, Paul writes, Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first, speaking to the Jews. Why do the Jews first? Because they had the word of God. So they went to the Jews first, speak the word of God, show that Jesus was the Christ in the Old Testament scriptures. But many of the Jews said, no, we don't want nothing to do with it. So Paul says, but since you reject it and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life. Notice that. Because some people will say, well, how could a loving God send anyone to hell? It's a very simple answer to that. He doesn't. God doesn't send one person to hell. The Holy Spirit, if you read your Bible from Genesis to Revelation, the Holy Spirit is reaching out to all of mankind. Every single person. Well, I don't understand that because you're not God. But the Bible says it. So I'm going to let God be God. Don't deny what God can do because God can do it. But what does that say? And judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life. We are the ones who make that decision. I don't want God. I don't want Jesus. What you're saying is, I've judged him unworthy of my attention and time. That's what the Jews here are doing with Paul. They're not, they're, you know what? Fine. That's for you. Christianity is for you, Paul. We are remaining in Judaism. We are remaining under the law. So they judged. They made their own judgment. And if you're here this morning as an unbeliever, you are judging yourself, not God. You are judging yourself. Behold, we turn to the Gentiles. For the Lord, so the Lord has commanded us, I have set you as a light to the Gentiles. And this is referencing Isaiah 49, 6, written hundreds of years prior. You see, God has a love for mankind. That you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. Queen Creek. Now, when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed, and the word of the Lord was being spread throughout all the region. You see, as I've mentioned over the years, prejudices can run deep within our soul. So we need to be reprogrammed. If you don't think this is applicable... Just read a little bit of the news. Republicans and Democrats. Libertarians. Socialists. Communists. It's in front of us every single day. Do they love one another? Are they just having a love fest in Washington? Prejudices. And we have to guard our own hearts to allow the word of God to transform our lives. And Peter is going to learn that lesson here in chapter 10. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius. Acts chapter 10, verse 1. A centurion of what was called the Italian Regiment. Now, Caesarea is a beautiful location. We go and visit it on our trip to Israel. It's about 35 miles north of Joppa along the Mediterranean coastline. Still there today, beautiful. There was a centurion who lived there and his name was Cornelius. He was an overseer of a group of men known as a band, and this band was known as the Italian Regiment. Let's break it down. 
In the Roman army, a group of soldiers called a legion was made up of six thousand footmen. And you'll remember in the garden when Jesus was praying and Peter wanted to save him and was bad with the sword. Jesus said, I could call 12 legions of angels, guys. Come on. That would be 72,000 angels that Jesus could call. And if you know anything about the Old Testament, one angel killed, what is it, 180,000 Assyrians in one night? So 72,000, they could have handled the situation. So that's a, that's a, a legion. Then the soldiers would start to divide down into the point of a cohort, which consisted of 600 men, and then down to a regiment or a band, which consisted of 100 men. So centurions, because they were very loyal and disciplined, were known for their intense desire to serve Rome at all cost. So Cornelius was overseeing 100 Roman soldiers who supposedly, and I say supposedly, hated the Jews. Well, why do I say supposedly? Let's read here. And a devout man, Cornelius was, and one who reverenced God, one who had a healthy fear of God, with all his household, notice that, with all of his household, who gave alms or who gave financial gifts generously to the people and prayed to God always. Here we find a man with several attributes who was a Gentile. And again, I need to emphasize this because maybe there's one person here who doesn't understand it. Even to this day, in the religious Jewish mindset, there's two people on the face of the earth. You're either a Jew, you have Jewish blood in you. If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. That's it. There's just two groups of people on the face of the earth today. And so as you read this, when it says Gentile, that includes everyone that's not a Jew. Okay? We break it down into subgroups. It's Jew and Gentile to this day. So as you read this, you want to make sure you understand that. That there's just two groups of people. What group am I in? I'm either a Jew or I'm a Gentile. But notice here this Gentile man, he feared or had reverence for God. Notice as well that he also trained up his household. He didn't keep it to himself. He loved the Heavenly Father, our, guys, you got to think about this, our Heavenly Father. Cornelius loved him. This is what this one verse is telling us. Not taking it out of context, just look at it. You can interpret it yourself. I see this man as many of the Old Testament saints. He had a relationship with God. He had a regular prayer life. He shared his financial gifts. If he had died, would he have gone to heaven? I think so. I would say so. Absolutely. So the question is, did this man need Peter to teach him a lesson? Or did Peter need this man to teach him a lesson? Well, the answer is, They needed each other. You see, this Gentile man loved God, but needed to know that Jesus, a Jew, is now the Savior of the world for the Jew as well as for the Gentile, guys. And that's why we're here today. Whether you're Jew or Gentile, God loves you, and he sent his son to die for you. You see, it's interesting to note as we read this, 
this man didn't have the same prejudice against the Jews that the Jews had against the Gentiles. Let that sink in. He didn't have the same prejudice against the Jews that the Jews had against him. We have to evaluate even our own heart about these things. Do we have prejudice against Hispanics or blacks or whites or Native Americans or whatever culture you want to throw out there? Do we have prejudice against homeless people or mentally ill people or or people that have come to us with maybe homosexuality or gender issues? Do we have prejudices or or are we willing to work through those? Because I think we all do if we're honest with ourselves. We all do. But you allow the Holy Spirit to transform that and work through that. And you see that those those prejudices leave. They're no longer a part of your life. And you're willing to do what? Accept anyone where they're at, but not leave them there. Love them to the throne of God and allow the Holy Spirit to do a work in their lives that you and I can't do. But are we willing to allow the wall to come down long enough to at least share that with them? Whatever, whoever they might be. It's a very important question. Verses three through six. About the ninth hour of the day. So this would be three in the afternoon. Cornelius saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid. And said, what is it, Lord? Notice this man of authority submits to a higher authority. He had a relationship with God. He understood the spiritual world. He knew something that many people in America do not know or understand. If they did, they would not be making the choices they're making today. There is a spiritual world right now. Even in this room, if you're here as a believer the Holy Spirit is ministering to you, minister to you this morning in your devotional time, is going to continue to minister to you. As an unbeliever, the Holy Spirit is saying, would you listen? Would you listen? God loves you. Would you surrender to his son? Would you just surrender? Give it up. Give up your pride. Give it up and accept Jesus as your Savior. The Holy Spirit is saying that to you. If you don't want to listen, don't listen. But the Holy Spirit is reaching out to you. So he said to him, the angel said to Cornelius, listen to this, your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and send Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon a tanner whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. Interesting here. The memorial could also be a record. It's been recorded in heaven, Cornelius, that you've done these things. Is that scriptural? Let's look at Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. Is that scriptural? And as you're turning there, this verse just popped into my mind. So I'm going to uh, turn to Malachi or the famous Italian prophet Malachi. Malachi 3.16, then those who feared the Lord, those who loved the Lord, had a healthy fear, spoke to one another. 
And the Lord listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name. Malachi 3.16, the last book of the Old Testament. Well, Matthew 12.35 says this, Jesus speaking, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Notice that. Again, personal responsibility. God sends no one to hell. By your words, you will be condemned. I don't need God. I don't need Jesus. I don't need this Christian faith. I don't need any of it. It's recorded in heaven. You see, this shows me that God hears and sees everything. These scriptures also show me once again that God is going to meet those who desire to be met. Again, if you're sitting here thinking it's all a game and a show, It's between you and God. If you desire to meet him, he will meet you. You see, some will argue that God isn't fair by not saving everyone. But what I see is that God has gone out of his way to offer salvation to everyone upon the face of the earth throughout the millenniums, especially the last 2,000 years by the death of his one and only son, Jesus. I see that God searches out for those who are seeking after him so that he might make himself known to them because God is not a respecter of persons, but desires all men and women, boys and girls, be saved. And here we see a perfect example of a man who is seeking after the true Godhead and God meets him right where he's at and gives him clear directions. Notice the clear directions. The angel is speaking as God's representative. Clear directions on what to do. Verses 7 and 8. And when the angel who spoke to him had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. Notice the authority here. But yet he is submitting to the spiritual world because he knows there is such a thing as a spiritual world. So when he had explained all things to them, he sent them to Joppa. The next day, as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. So this would be noon, 12 o'clock, lunchtime. And he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven open and an object like a great sheep, sheet, found at the, bound at the four corners, descending to him and let down to the earth. And in it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. And in your Bible, it's noticed this in red. This we believe is Jesus speaking directly to Peter, which is very important. But Peter said, Not so, Lord. For I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice voice spoke to him again the second time. What God has cleansed, you must not call common. This was done three times. And the object was taken up into heaven again. 
Interesting, we see Peter still lodging at the Tanner's house. I mentioned this last week, but again, it's very interesting that Tanners were considered unclean because of their handling of dead animals. And this is one of the few reasons that the religious writings, not in the Bible, but just religious writings, gave that would allow a woman to divorce a man if you were married, if you got married, and then all of a sudden your husband turned to that trade. But God is doing something much bigger than Peter even imagined. God is preparing the heart of Peter. So he's hungry. And he goes up on the roof around noon to pray. He's thinking of food. He's hungry. So God uses a physical desire to illustrate a spiritual principle. You see, God knows how to get through to us in such a direct way, even when we don't realize that God is trying to get through to us. He's there. Verse 11 and 12 show us that this is a big picnic blanket. It comes down from heaven loaded with all kinds of creatures. Wild beasts and four-footed animals, the camel, coney, rabbit, pig, creeping things, the weasel, mouse, tortoise, lizard, snail, birds, the vulture, eagle, raven, owl, swan, pelican. Leviticus 11 gives you a full list before your next trip to a restaurant. These were animals that were considered unclean to the Jew. They were not allowed to eat them or even touch the dead carcasses. If they did, they were considered ceremonially unclean until the evening of that day. Very strict. But the voice speaks to Peter. You're hungry, Peter. So prepare yourself some lunch. Go for it, Peter. But in verse 14, a few things to notice is Peter says, not so, Lord. You know, these terms shouldn't go together, especially when you're speaking directly to Jesus. You know, we all have a hard time following everything the Lord instructs us to do. So I'm not going to put Peter down or any of that stuff. But I think we can ask ourselves a simple question about this situation. Each and every one of us. Do we hear the Lord telling us to do something? And we say, not so, Lord. Now, we might not say those three words. Not so, Lord. We might just say, nope. No way. Ah, no. Don't got time. Mm, Not me. Do we say it on a regular basis? If we do, we need to evaluate our commitment to the Lord. Not his commitment towards us, for we know that it is right on and he's not going to change. He doesn't change. But the depth of our personal commitment towards him needs to change. Again, in the privacy of your own heart, How would you characterize yourself about that question? Is he Lord? Then we should not be saying not so. You know, another thing about these verses here that I see in verse 14 is that Peter still gives a little self-righteousness in himself. I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. Speaking to the Lord. Well, good for you, Peter. But you're missing the point here. Verse 15 now, most of us know the story, so we know the obvious, but let's remember it's been in roughly eight to, ten, eight to ten years. And the church is made up of Jews living in a Jewish world. So this idea of going to the Gentiles is a totally new concept to Peter and the church, guys. Totally new concept. And we're going to see that in this situation, Peter is going to raise some problems for the church back home in Jerusalem. God is trying to show Peter that he is going to start a new work and it's not based on what you've eaten. And in verse 16, it's done three times, which is kind of interesting to me because you'll remember when Jesus met Peter on the shores of the Galilee and he asked Peter, Peter, do you love me three times? And Peter said, yes. 
And basically, the Lord instructed Peter to feed the future sheep of God, which would have included and should have included by this time already the Gentiles. But prejudice is deep within Peter. Verses, verse 17. Now, while Peter wondered within himself what this vision meant, which he had seen meant, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gates. Again, here we see that Peter didn't understand the vision. We're not bashing him. He's going to have fuller revelation. Lunch is being prepared downstairs. He's praying. He's hungry. But the answer showed up at the door. You see, sometimes God talks to us, but he also can use someone else to help reveal his will. We've got some quick slides here. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen says, As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. In other words, we need each other. So I encourage you to write that verse down or take a quick picture. Proverbs eleven fourteen: Where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. And you and I should be taking, when someone comes to us, we should be taking them to the word of God. Not just, well, this is what I think. That's okay. Share your testimony and how God maybe delivered you or the Holy Spirit helped you. But always try to take them to the word of God. Proverbs 15.22 says, Without counsel, purposes are disappointed. But in the multitude of counselors, they are established. Verses 18 through 23. And they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. While Peter thought about the vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men who had been sent to him from Cornelius and said, Yes, I am he whom you seek. For what reason have you come? And they said, Cornelius, the centurion, a just man, one who fears God and has a good reputation among all the nation of the Jews. So we get a little more information there on Cornelius. Was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear words from you. Then Peter invited them in and lodged them. On the next day, Peter went away with them, and some brethren from Joppa accompanied them, or him. So here the mission is stated, and Peter welcomes these Gentiles. Again, guys, he's being reprogrammed. you got to keep that in mind for our own prejudice as well. And Peter gets confirmation from the Holy Spirit to go with those who are sent. Again, when you're going somewhere, as we just testif- we heard a testimony this morning, you want to be in prayer. You want to be in the Word of God. You want to be resting as they shared two months because their car was broke. They could have been frustrated. They could have been worried. Their anxiousness could have welled up inside of them. But yet they were on a mission. They knew that they were sent by God. So God, okay, our car is broke. Let's spend time praying. Let's spend time seeking, going to Bible college, going and seeking from other pastors and other missionaries and other men who have wisdom and discernment, and then arriving at their destination. They're open to the Holy Spirit, so that's where they're going. And so oftentimes we're not open to the Holy Spirit. And if you're new, you might think, well, I've never heard God. I've never heard the Holy Spirit speak to me audibly. I just want to let you know, I have not either. I've never heard an audible voice, like a human voice say to me, do this, do that. So don't don't go down that road. 
It's the word of God. As you read the word of God from Genesis to Revelation, as you do daily devotions, as you're spending quiet time, the phone's off, the TV's off, the radio's off, quiet time, there's a still small voice. And I believe that still small voice is the Holy Spirit that dwells within us that will speak to us if we listen, if we're quiet enough to listen. He really does speak to us. But we have to be quiet enough, which is very hard for us to do, guys. Believe me, very hard to do. I got a lot, you have a lot of responsibilities, so do I. I wake up at 3.30 and I start thinking about the day, everything that needs to be done. Sometimes I get to go back to sleep because I start praying and God gives me more rest. Other times I have to get up because I just go, I'm not, it's, it's over. <laughs> I just know it's over. Okay. So I go out, I get my Bible, I go to the lazy boy and I do my daily devotion at 3.30 or 4 o'clock in the morning. I'm not bragging, I'm just giving you an example. If you make it a priority, it will always be a priority. If you don't, it won't. You have to make it a priority. And if you make it a priority, I do hear the Holy Spirit. And I'm sure others of you in this room can give us a testimony for that as well. But you, I, we have to make it a priority. Have to. Not for salvation. That's way off the table. But so that we could grow and mature and get rid of the prejudices that lie within all of us. We also notice here uh, that Peter had brethren accompany him. We'll find out in Acts eleven twelve there were six of them, which was a very wise move on Peter's part. And if you're going out to witness or testimony, uh, testify of Jesus, I encourage you to take somebody with you. And you know what? We're going to wrap it up at that point. We'll wrap it up at that point. Part two, two weeks from now. Because next week, the 22nd, we're having a family service like we do every year. And so uh, same services, 9 and 11, but it's a family setting. So the children are going to be in with us, and you're going, oh, great. Yeah, you think you get distracted? I get, I just, I just focus because I know, okay, I just got to press through. But I encourage you to invite family, invite friends, invite unbelievers. Uh, everyone's going to stay within. We're not going to have child care, no nursery. Um, if your children need attention, we have lobbies, and we also have a TV with a sound system in these various areas where you can take them out. But guys, be in prayer about these things. What are we studying about? And what will we finish up in two weeks? Going into the new year. Prejudices. Prejudices. Because if we don't conquer those prejudices, when somebody stands in front of us and says, I'm a Democrat. What's going to be the first thing you say? Or they step in front of you and go, I'm a Republican. Well, you, good. Go to hell. Uh, I don't think we're supposed to think that. But guys, as we're reading the word of God, the Jews, the religious Jews, and some religious Jews even to this day, have those very thoughts. Oh, you're a Gentile? Good. Go to hell. That's just reality, guys. That's just reality. So we have to deal with the reality of our own hearts. Pray about these things this week. And I greatly encourage you, get a devotional time. Not on your device, because your device will ding. Oh boy, I got to look at that. Somebody's doing something really cool. Oh great, they're at Denny's eating a pile of pancakes. Big whoop. 
Get your paper Bible out. Highlight it, mark it, write in it, and turn everything else off. And give God time. Is he worth the time? He sent his son to die for us. Give God time. Father, we thank you and praise you. And Lord, we could all give you more time, but let's not use that as an excuse for not giving you any time. Let us not cop out and say, well, I just can't do that. But rather, let's allow your Holy Spirit to stir our hearts. For I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. As a believer, we can set aside time if we just ask your Holy Spirit to give us strength to do so. Father, I thank you for Cornelius, that he loved you because you first loved him. And he shows that as a Gentile, he had a relationship with you. He desired you. He blessed others around him because of you. He had that that devotional time, that private time. What a great example for us, Father. So, Lord, this week, help us to evaluate our own lives, our own prejudices, and also our devotional time. Do we have time for your Holy Spirit to talk to us? Cornelius did. Do we make time for you to talk to us? Cornelius did. There's no guilt or condemnation but maybe conviction of the Holy Spirit that we might repent and be right with you even in a devotional time to repent and give you the time you deserve that we might hear that still small voice speaking to us personally that we might become more like Jesus each and every day. Father, we thank you for this time. In Jesus' precious name, amen. When we all stand, guys, God bless you. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, please come up. We would love to pray with you to receive Jesus. If you need prayer for anything, please come up. We would love to pray for you. And guys, why don't you head out? Head out to the lobby. Go ahead, Federico. Take your family out. And they'll be out in the lobby if you'd like to ask them questions. If you'd like to pick up a little flyer. Um, just so you know, as a church, we're sponsoring them with $250 per month. Again, just a little information. Every missionary that, that we have, the 44 missionaries, they get $250 per month. Um, last month, due to local missionaries, as well as some extra funds that we give out to missionaries, you all gave $13,000 to the work of the ministry. Um, December, it's probably going to be about that much as well. And so, you know, God, that's that's being stored up in heaven, guys. You're storing up treasure in heaven. You do it for the Lord, but be in prayer for these people as well. If you need prayer for anything, please come up. We'd love to pray for you. God bless you guys. Have a great week. There we go. All right, we're going to keep this simple and just sing, go tell it on the mountain. So as the Lord leads you, it says over the hills and everywhere. So everybody has a different sphere of influence and circle of influence so uh, we have this great opportunity to tell people about the hope that lies within so sing go tell it on the mountain go tell it on the mountain over the hills and 